we're glad to be sharing the ministry of Redemption Church with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Oh, that feels on. That's good. Online, y'all missed the joke probably. So everybody just laugh again. Ha! Classic. Should have been here. All right. Excellent. Welcome, everybody, to Redemption Church in Plano, Texas. My name is Chris Fluitt, and I am so glad that you're all here. I really am. Thank you for being in the room. Can we get a, give a hand clap for everybody in the room? And thank you for joining us on the live stream. Can we clap for the people on the live stream? We're clapping for you. And then there's people that don't watch it live, but they watch it afterwards. They're tuning in on YouTube, podcast, Spotify, or some other secret way. We're so glad that you're here. We're clapping for you guys. We really are happy to be connecting with you. And online people, we really hope to connect better with you. We want to, so help us meet us halfway on all of that. Can you keep a secret? Can you say that? Can you keep? A secret. We're in the second week of our series in Matthew chapter 6, right in the middle of the most famous sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about secrets. There's something even about the word secret, right? There's something about somebody whispering that you, have you ever been in a restaurant and like you're minding your own business, but you start hearing people talk really low and you, you can't help it. You can't, am I the only one? I can't help it. My ear starts going. And it doesn't even matter what, they're probably, I don't know who they're talking about, but I'm like, that is such juicy gossip. It's like the, this secret hearing, secretive thing. So like the last week of the old year, 2022, I started in on my, my scripture reading and I started reading uh, Matthew, and I, I hit Matthew chapter 6, and I heard Jesus say, secret, and I went, huh, and then I heard him say it again, secret, and I was like, what? <laughs> it's like the meme where it, it keeps getting more, uh, yeah, and by the end, his eyes are glowing red, like excited. He said secret so many times, I'm like, pause, what chapter is this again? My goodness, listen to this, that's a sermon series, so there it is. Uh, right there in Matthew chapter 6, he mentions it over and over again. Talks to us about a secret. Last week in the first message of the series, we, we spoke about giving in secret, right? Jesus specifically asked us to give in secret and to avoid the prideful motives of being seen by others. Having this proper motive... When we give, it holds great promise. Anybody remember that promise? Matthew 6, 4, boom. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You talk about a reward. Does that sound like a good promise and a big reward? Your father in heaven sees what is done in secret. Can you keep a secret today if you can? Turn to Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to be beginning at verse 5. Jesus says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. All right. 
first point of this sermon ought to sound like a repeat. Here it is. Not if, but when. Earlier in this chapter, Jesus says, when you give and when you practice righteousness. Now Jesus says, when you pray. Do we treat prayer more like an if or a when? If we pray or when we pray. I got to tell you, with Christianity, it's become a lot more if we pray. There is a difference between if and when. Don't you agree? Guys, can I speak to the guys for a sec? Love you guys. When your wife says, when you go to the store, remember to pick up a gallon of milk. All right? There is some wiggle, there, there, there is some wiggle room, only a little bit, right? If you are near the store, if you have the time, if you find yourself in an HEB, remember to pick up a gallon of milk. Is that true? That's absolutely not true. That's wrong. See, guys, you got it wrong. If she says, when, when you go to the store, she just made your daily schedule for you. You did not have go to the store on Google schedule keeping, but you might as well mark it down. You are going to the store and you are picking up milk. And all the women said, amen. That's when. All right. Now, if your wife says, if you go to the store, now that is when, hey, if you're in the vicinity, if it's close, if you find yourself inside the H-E-B or the Tom Thrum or the Aldi's, if you find, then, you know, remember, you should pick up some milk. But when she says when, she expects you to do it, right? When means it is expected. Jesus still expects Christians to pray. When you pray. Prayer should be a part of our daily life. It should absolutely be a part of our daily life. Prayer should be a part of our problem-solving strategies. Oh, listen. We will Google all day long problem-solving strategies. My gosh, Christians have to make prayer a part of their problem-solving strategy. Can I tell you, pray before you Google. Please. You can even pray, God, send me somewhere I should be on Google. Because that's a miracle anytime that happens. My gosh. Prayer should be a part of your worship. And your worship shouldn't be once a month, once a day, once, once a week. That's a, what... Uh, we, we really pat Christians on the back if they make it on Sunday to worship. That's not what worship should be. Worship should be all the time, and prayer should be a part of your all the time talking and having a relationship with God. When we wake up, I'm telling you we should pray. Why don't you make prayer a part of your wake up? Instead of reaching for the phone, sometimes that's the first thing we do. We reach for the phone, and there is a goodbye to the next 30 minutes. Right? Instead of reaching for that phone, even before you get out of bed, you can start talking to God. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for getting me up this morning. 
I thank you, Lord. This is the day that you've made. I don't know what's in front of me, but God, go before me. That's prayer. And when you go to bed, make that a part of your prayer life. Pray when you go. So when you rise, when you go to bed, up, down, sun or moon, you make prayer a part of your life. Prayer is something you should do always. Isn't there a scripture that says it? Yes, pray always. Always pray. Pray. Prayer shouldn't be a rarity. We have, we have a first Tuesday night of prayer and worship. My gosh, if that's the only time we pray, we, we just need to get real. We need to become Christians because God expects us to pray. Can I get an amen on that? Mm, all right. Redemption Church, let's always keep prayer a part of our worship together. Before we dismiss, we're going to talk to God. I encourage everybody. We do that every time we come together. Why? Because we want you to pray. We don't think you've done much if you've come to the house of God but not talked to the God of the house. And that's why we insist we're going to take time to talk to God. Prayer is a win and not an if. We're going to read verse 5 again. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Do not be like those who pray to be seen by others. Is that pretty straightforward? Everybody follow that? I think that's what Jesus is saying. They are hypocrites and they are found where in the synagogue which is that religious center that's like church y'all hypocrites are found in the church but that's not all they're found they're also found on the street corners they show up they they like to show up wherever there's an audience and put on a show they want to be seen jesus says that they have received their reward in full their reward is nothing more than being seen by others. If your reward is being seen, then can I tell you something? That's really not worth it. If that's all you get out of prayer, I'm telling you right now, that ain't worth it. You follow me? <laughs> what people are able to give you is selling your, your, yourself short. If, if what people think about you is reward, what people say about you, if that's your reward, you're totally selling yourself short, all right? Because people are fickle. One moment they'll like you, the next moment they will crucify you. Sounds like the gospel, right? So when you are praying, it's not about what other people think. Don't worry. And you know what? The number one reason people don't worship in a church house is because they're worried what other people think. The number one reason people don't come give their life to God in the church house when they're feeling that pull on their life, I really feel like I need to go down and make a change in my life. I really need to submit myself to God. Today's the day I'm going to accept God and I'm going to proclaim Him boldly in front of somebody. But I would, except I'm worried what somebody else thinks. I would worship. There have been times, how many miracles maybe have we been have we passed over because we're afraid of what other people think? That's a real thing. Can I tell you, let's get out of that. Let's get rid of that. If that's been holding you back, that ain't good enough. That ain't good enough. There's a better reward for you 
than worrying about what people think. Your Father in heaven, He sees and He will reward you. We care way too much about what other people think. I tell you, if you could be set free of that this year, that would be quite a victory, wouldn't it? If you could be set free from the worry about what other people think. Let's look on Matthew 6, verse 6 now. But when you pray, Jesus is driving it down again. When you pray, he says, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. He's, he's doubling up on doing it in secret. He's doubling up on the Father seeing you. He's doubling up on the reward. Jesus really means this. I have been asked to pray publicly. There's a little cafe nearby. We like it. We had our Christmas banquet there. Red Truck Cafe. And they always honor soldiers on Veterans Day and Memorial. And it's very cool. And they usually call me up and ask me to pray for their ceremony. And I am so glad to go do that for them. But, but let's make sure that we understand prayer is not a ceremonial show. The ceremony of it is. And I come up there and I say the pretty words. Oh, the ceremony. We put on a good display there. No, let's make sure that that is not what we are about. In a few verses, Jesus publicly prays to show the people how to pray. It's the section of the Bible we call the Lord's Prayer. It's the section of the Bible we call Lord's Prayer. And he does that in a few verses. So God, Jesus is not like, eh, never pray publicly, because he's about to pray publicly. So if you are asked to pray publicly, you should pray and let that light of Jesus so shine before all men. You should never be afraid to pray publicly. But that should not be your design. And that should not definitely be the only time you pray. My, one of my mentors, David Fuller, says, uh, a public life requires a private devotion. And if you're going to show up in a public way, you better have a private devotion with God that keeps you grounded, that keeps you out of your own self, that keeps you out of your own thoughts, and keeps everything the main thing. And God, you are always the main thing. In verse 6, Jesus teaches us to pray in secret, unseen places. He uses both words, unseen and secret. He says, go into your room. Everybody say your room. Go to your room. Sorry, I just as a dad, that's just like comes out of me naturally. He says, go into your room, close the door, and pray. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, he will reward you. i got to ask you today, do you have room for prayer? Do you have room for prayer? Jesus says, go to your room. So do you have room? Do you have room for prayer? There's a movie called War Room. got to tell you, I've never seen this movie, but I've always been moved by the trailer for it. Perhaps you've seen that movie or will see it. It's a Christian film where a real estate agent goes to view a home. And inside that room, there's something curious in it. There's this little small room where there's nothing in the room but a stool and 
things taped up on the wall, and they're just lists, and they're devotions to God written up on the wall. The, the old lady who owns this house has converted one of the small rooms in her house into a room of prayer. And the old lady who lives there calls it her war room, the room where she goes to talk to God and fight all of her battles. And the real estate agent, sorry, spoilers, you're going to love it anyway. The real estate agent finds that really strange. And isn't that like most things that aren't centered on God? If you aren't centered on God, you're going to find prayer really strange. The world finds prayer really strange. Can I tell you some Christians find prayer really strange? Can I tell you some people that are even in the ministry but don't pray find prayer strange? I could tell you some stories, but I won't. So this real estate agent, she finds it really strange until she has problems of her own that she can't fix. And she converts her own office into a war room. And she begins to see God working in her life. What's, what's going on here? Somebody made room, literal room in their house for prayer. Jesus says that. Go to your room. Close the door and pray. This concept is more than a movie. It's a call to secret prayer made by Jesus in Matthew 7. I'm not necessarily telling you to convert your room into a house of prayer. Don't convert your man cave. Don't do that to that gentleman, ladies. Don't do it. Do not convert the man cave into a prayer room, all right? That didn't get any amens, my God. The men were all too scared to do it. All right. I'm not necessarily telling you to convert a room in your house to it's a prayer room only. But what I want to tell you is to convert whatever room you're in into a room of prayer. Whatever room you find yourself in, turn that room into your war room. Turn that room into your room of prayer. Jesus says, go to your room doesn't name it, right? He doesn't say go to your den or, or go, go to your closet. He says in this, he says go to your room. Go to your room. Make it a room of prayer. I want to tell you your car makes a great prayer room. Some of my best moments talking to God and him talking back to me is in the car. Y'all remember those stories? God talking to me. And I'm just driving along, and I'm like, holy cow, what is God saying? What? Like conviction, all kinds of stories. Joy, absolute peace, knowing what's in front of me. God rebuking me. He's done it all in that prayer room called my car. Your bedroom makes a great prayer room. Can you kneel down on that bed? You can lay on that bed. You can stand by that bed. You can lay prostrate. You can lay face down. You can kneel, you can bow down. And all these things are biblical uh, biblical uh, positions to put yourself in, in prayer. But let me tell you, whatever position you find yourself in, make it a prayer position. The supply room in your office that nobody uses very often. 
There are some times you can go into that room and it becomes a great prayer vehicle. When you are about to lose it, I suggest you go and have a war room experience. And you say, God, I'm about to lose it. Go ahead and come up. God, I'm not good enough to get all this stuff. Lord, help me. Lord, those people are driving me crazy. Help me to love them. I forgive that person who just said that awful thing about me right in a director's meeting. I forgive them. That's a prayer room. Oh, man, whatever room you find yourself in, make it a room for prayer. The lunch table can make a great prayer room. Wherever you are can become your room. Close the door and pray. There is the secret place of prayer. Can somebody say secret place of prayer? I want to tell you that the secrecy of your prayer goes beyond the physical. Now, to this point, Jesus is talking, and he's telling us to go to a a secret place so we're not uh, even tempted uh, to alter the way we pray uh, because of what other people think. But I want to tell you that your prayer life is is secretly, it goes beyond the, the physical, and it goes into the spiritual. Who, who knows that? Do you know that? Do we still know that in the church? Let me take a moment. When you pray, it's not just a physical act. Now, it begins with the physical act. These are vocal cords right here. There's all kinds of science stuff. We could go go Bill Nye the science guy and just look up how how these vocal cords work. That's all physical. The thoughts going through your head, those are physical. But I'm telling you what you do in the physical, there's something secret that happens. It leaves the physical and it becomes spiritual. Who knows what I'm talking about? That is absolutely true. I'm telling you, when you can be in your room on in, in Plano, Texas, but your words reach heaven, that is the spiritual. That's not physical. When the words, the thoughts of your, of your mind come out, but they come right before the throne of God, that is spiritual. And I'm telling you, that's a secret working that's at, on, at, at, at hand when you are praying. When you pray, there is a secret realm. Everybody say secret realm. Where you are seen only by God. There's a movie, uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And it's a book also. I should read more. It's also a movie. Right? And they open the wardrobe. And there's a whole world out back there that was secret. I want to tell you prayers like that. When you pray, it opens up a whole secret world. Psalm 91 talks about the secret world. Psalm 91, beginning in verse 1, it says, Whoever dwells in the secret of the Most High. You know about the secret place? I hope you know about a secret place you can dwell in. The secret place of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Verse 2, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. There is a secret place in God. That's what I'm trying to tell you. And this is way more secret than closing the door. You get a little bit of privacy closing the door. I'm telling you, this goes way beyond closing any door. Imagine with me 
the enemy has set his sights on you. Do you know that that's true? The, the enemy who's come to kill, steal, and destroy, that's talking about you. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy you. All of you and me, your children, your wife, your husband, your friends. The enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Like imagine a sniper. Imagine a spiritual demonic sniper that has you in their sights. And he is ready to kill, steal, and destroy. And all he must do is pull the trigger. But suddenly, boom, the devil can't find you. Imagine the panic, right? He was just right there. I would just had him. He was dead meat. I was just about to get him. I was just about to hit them with the temptation they would never be able to handle. I was just about to speak some a lie into their brain that was going to fry them for good. And then suddenly disappeared. Where did they go? They go all cloak mode. They go all predator. Just vanish right in front of you. Whatever secret movie you've got. Harry Potter puts on that, that cloak of invisibility. I'm telling you, with God... You can become invisible because you suddenly have left that realm and gone to a secret realm. That's what Psalm 91 is talking about. There is a secret place where the enemy can't find you. The enemy that's been feeding you lie after lie, he, doesn't, he can't do that anymore if you find yourself in the secret place. He doesn't know how to get there. It's more secretive than the bat cave. He cannot find it. It's a secret place. Have you been to this place? It's a place of prayer. I'm telling you, there's been places where I felt depression and funk and guilt in my life. But then I stepped into a secret place. And I went, where did all of that depression go? Where did the, that feeling of inferiority, where did it go? It left at the door. I closed the door and went to a secret realm in God. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High. There is a secret place of the Most High. And there is an enemy that wants to get you. And it's got to be really frustrating when he can't find you. If the enemy has been really on your tracks and seems to know your every move and where you are at all times, could it be that you're not in the secret place as much as you need to be? You go to that secret place and every one of his fiery darts that he fires at, he can't even find you. Oh, to be in that secret place with him. If you feel like enemies have been attacking you all week, I want you to think that you ought to come dwell in the secret place of the Most High today. Lord, take me to a secret place where it's just you and me. See, that's, that's the secret, right? Because when it's done in secret, only the Father in heaven sees. Do you know that there are things that the Father has going on that the enemy can't even see? Do you know that? There's a scripture in your Bible that says, Had the forces of darkness known that Jesus was who he said he was. That Jesus really was who he was. They would never have killed the king of glory. You know what that was? That God had a secret thing going on that the devil wasn't aware of. God can have secret things going on in your life that totally floor the enemy. Do you, do you know that it, 
blows the enemy away, your testimony, when, when God delivers you of something, when God takes away an addiction, when God breaks a chain, the enemy's like, how did that happen? We had, we had Robert completely bound up over and over and over again. Who, who was watching him? And like the devils are like convenient. It's like, I don't know, God. I don't know, devil. I was watching him. He went away. He just disappeared. It's that secret thing. God can do a secret thing in you today. And it begins. It begins in entering that secret place of prayer. Can somebody say amen if it's true today? Matthew 6, verse 7 now. And when you pray. Oh, Jesus got the triple down on this. When you pray. Do not keep on babbling like pagans if they think they will be heard, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. When Jesus tells us to go in secret to pray, he's actually telling us not to be like the Pharisees who stand in the synagogue and on the street corner. That, that part of this is all directed at the Pharisees. Now Jesus is telling us not to be like the pagans. And here's the deal, they're both very religious. The very religious pagans and the very religious Pharisees, both of them can avoid that religiosity by going into a secret place. And he says, do not babble when you pray. Do not think that your many words will cause God to hear you. If I just say enough, God will then hear me. If I will pray enough, then God will hear me. Don't think that way. Do not think that florid King James English will cause God to hear you. God's like, I'm not paying attention. And then he hears a thee and a thou. And God's like, what? Oh, 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 thou knowest, Lord. And the Lord's like, what? Big red eyes. That, that meme all over again. All right. God's not like that. Aren't you glad God's not like that? Aren't you glad you don't have to get to the thousandth word, Linda, for God to start listening to you? He's already hearing you. He already has drawn close to you. It's not your many words. Don't be like the pagans. There are religious traditions inside Christianity and even outside of Christianity that tell people to repeat a prayer so many times. Repeat it over and over and over again. There are even religious leaders who will assign you how many times to pray that prayer. And they go, pray this one, and they've got a little phrase for that prayer. You know, it's that prayer. And I'm not, I'm not even going to call it because I don't want to insult anybody. I love everybody. I lo I'm just not about insulting people. But can I tell you, that, 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 my gosh, if that's not babbling, I don't know what is. Say it this many times in this prayer. And once you've done that prayer, why don't you throw this prayer in there too? It's a memorized thing and pray it. You know, do that, do that 20 times and do this one 30 times and then come back and talk to me. See if you feel sorry for your sin yet. What? Aren't you glad that's not in the Bible? Let me tell you, no, some people don't know. That's not in the Bible. Actually, it is in the Bible. Jesus says, don't do it. Verse 7, Matthew 6, do not babble when you pray. Some traditions even have beaded necklaces. Do you know why they have the beaded necklaces? It helps them keep track of where they are in the number of times they've recited the thing they can't even be with it enough it's just you know how your brain just kind of shuts off sometimes like it goes there when you have to say it for the 30th time uh, 
next week. Uh, uh, uh. I'm trying to be as nice as I can about it. But they're, they're trying to get them to keep track of the repeated prayer because you better say it enough times. Heaven forbid you've missed Even more traditions have prayer books where you can read prayers that other, that other people have prayed. Now listen, you can get something out of those. Like see someone else's piety and devotion to God and where they are in their, their state. But I can tell you, when you're talking to God, you don't need Marshall's words to talk to God. You don't need Cleta's words. Be, be really careful, because when we're worshiping, we don't always need Chris Tomlin's words to talk to God. Sometimes you need to worship and just forget about the words on that screen and just go, God, you're the best. God, you're wonderful. God, you're watching out for me. Oh, that's some worship right there. We get so tied up in the tradition. Uh, we like to think about, about every other church, oh, those other religions and traditions. Oh, we got our own traditions. We got our own little sacred cows, and we need to slaughter those things. And we need to take all of that stuff, throw it to the side, and take this heart, rip it open, and let God in our heart. Be careful that your prayer is not about words the amount of the words, and how you're saying them. Be, make your prayer all about your heart. Guard your heart, for everything flows out of it, the Bible says. Make it about your heart. You can babble, memorize prayers, and these words no longer come from your heart, but they actually come from a vain tradition of men. And in Colossians 2, Paul tells us, you beware of those things. Beware of those things that are after the vain traditions of men. And not after Christ. Make sure we're doing it for the right reasons. Matthew 6 and 8. Jesus says this. Do not be like them. He's talking about the pagans. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. All right. Your father already knows. So what's the point of prayer? You ever think about those things? Let me throw this phone at you. Not not at you, but to you. People calling during church. All right. It's vibrating. It's bothering me. Your father already knows your need. Anybody ever think about this? Wave your hand at me if you've ever thought this. If your father already knows what you need, why? what's the big deal about prayer? What's the point of prayer? I want to tell you that prayer is not what it really means. It says, Prayer is not about informing God what you need. If you had to inform God of anything, he wouldn't make a very good God, right? Agree. You don't need to inform God of anything. He already knows. Have you ever heard the word? Have you ever said the words or heard these words? Oh, I forgot to pray for. I hear that every time at the end of a connect group. Like we go and we pray for the things and somebody goes, oh, I forgot to pray for. Listen, it is okay you know why? Because the Father knows already. Next time you find yourself going, oh, I forgot to pray. Remember, your Father actually knows that need before you pray. Instead of making prayer about informing, make prayer about confessing. Doesn't that feel right? 
Prayer is not about informing. God, I need these things. Here's what I need. You know, it's this laundry list. I need those things. If I could get a new roof on my house, that'd be really cool. Also, there's this check engine light. I think that's a demon in there. I come against it in the name of the Lord. Amen. Need all these things done? That check engine light demon is a real thing. Oh. No, prayer is not about informing God. Prayer is about confessing. Confessing what? Confessing your need. Everything that you need, it's not like, God, I need this thing. No, confess it. God, you know I need this. God, you know that I've not been able to get it. Lord, you've known I've reached for it, but it's still out of my reach. I confess my need. And the Bible says, my God will provide all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So confess your needs. It's not about informing. It's about confessing. God, I am one needy guy. I need you. Confess your love. Make that a part of your prayer. Oh, God, I love you. i got to confess I can't make it one day without you. If it had not been for Jesus on my side, where would I be? What would I do? How would I ever go on in Jesus? What are you doing? You're confessing your love for Jesus. And then this one's really big. This one's really big in Chris Fluitt's life. And I don't even, that doesn't even bother me that you know it. Confess your sin. My gosh, there's never, there is never a time I go to God in prayer where I don't confess my sin. I am a sinner. I fall so short of the glory of God. I cannot inform him of my righteousness because my righteousness is as filthy rags. I am a no good sinner. I'm the worst of all sinners. But God, you're so good. What can you do with this no good sinner that I am? And God says, you know what I can do? I can redeem you. I can wash you. I can cleanse you. And such were some of you, but you've been washed. You've been cleansed by the name, by the word of our God and by the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Confess, confess. Make prayer about confessing. So God knows what you need already. So confess it. Go back real quick. Garden of Eden, right? Adam, where are you? God didn't know. God already knew. God was looking for him to confess. I'm right here. What have you done? He's like, well, I, he doesn't say I sinned. God was trying to offer him a, a chance to go, I confess, I'm a sinner. He's like, no, it's this woman. Right? That's what he does. That's how God works. He wants you to confess your need for him, your love for him, and your falling short. And that's what prayer needs to be. Somebody say confess. Jesus tells us that when we pray, pray in secret and pray from the heart. And then now Jesus shows us how to pray. And all over this house, would you pray this out loud, not to be heard by anybody? Can you pray this prayer that he taught us together? Matthew 6, verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Say it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then in some versions, in some manuscripts, it says these words. 
For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Can you keep a secret as our worship team comes? I want to ask you that today. Can you keep a secret? Can you worship in secret and pray to him in secret and go to a secret place in the Most High today? As our worship team comes, they're going to be leading us in worship and prayer. And I want you to prepare yourself to do something in secret. Let's do these things. Let's repent to God. Let's repent. And You know, we don't like make anyone wear scarlet letters or hold up a big sign that says, it's me, I'm the sinner. No, anywhere in this house, anywhere you are, you can ask the Lord to forgive you. You can confess your sin. So let's do that today. Let's repent to God. Let's repent of these things. If we... An if we pray attitude. Let's repent of that. If we pray. Let's repent of that. Instead, let's have a when we pray dedication. Let's repent of our sin. Let's repent. For more information about redemption, look us up online at redemption-church.com. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or even our anonymous question text line at 214 856